1: Well welcome back as we welcome back as we head into hour two from the nine sixty the Patriot Broadcast Studio, brought to you by the veteran owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. I am Seth Lee and a delight to welcome one of my dearest friends into the studio with me. I love finishing the year with with dear friends and um smart people like uh yourself. Uh and that is uh Jeff Taylor. Many of you have heard him on the um on the airwaves here over the years. Um, I'm going to say a few things about him and stuff. But first, how would you um, identify yourself? I mean, I can identify you not only as a friend, you are a co founder and board member of our Coalition for Youth Drug Abuse Prevention. By the way, if people still want to make donations before the end of the year, uh, they can do so at Um But what is your, how, how do you describe yourself professionally?
2: And it's it's kind of confusing because I get that question a lot, and I have to think about it because I'm in a lot of different yeah, spaces. Yeah, you're a I lobbyist. Would, I'm a lobbyist. Yes, you are a Salvation Army person, board member. Yes, yes, and also graduate from one of their programs yes. back in the '90s. Yes, and I also um, mainly what I try to do is build bridges. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a, a society right now and in a political landscape that's very divided. Mm-hmm. And when we have, you know, members that are elected, not only in this state, but it goes across the country, where they're communicating through Twitter, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I love to get people in the same room together and start working out um, problems and find some centrist point of view that we can build upon. And that's getting more and more difficult to do. Well,
1: I'll say this about what I know of uh, you outside of our work together, um when Bill Montgomery was county attorney, there were few people at the state legislature who were more respected on certain issues, including not only criminal justice, but ch- children's uh, issues. He was a very respected voice on children's
2: issues. Very much so.
1: One of the most. And you are that person on issues having to do with homeless on having to do with drugs, uh, addiction issues, recovery issues, um, you are that person. I- I'll tell a story you don't probably—well, you know it because you were there, but <laughs> you don't know that it, what it meant to me. I was um, testifying at the state legislature to a uh, bipartisan group on substance abuse, drug issues, and you weren't there at that with me you would normally be by my side you were out lobbying on some other thing at the state legislature mm-hmm. and someone said why don't you see if jeff can come in and help out <laughs> and um i texted you and you were there uh, somewhere in the building or maybe across the the way at the senate i was at the house and you came in and you didn't need to be told what we were talking about. You just fielded questions smartly and um, persuasively. Uh, so uh, what I saw is your keen ability on, on these issues. And uh, there's no one more respected by me, and I think by most people in this state on those issues. Anyway, that's that's who you are, and a dear friend.
2: I do remember that. And I do remember talking about a uh, I picked up the paper one day, and I saw that one of our um, districts, high school districts, was going to start randomly drug testing mm-hmm. the students. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not opposed to that. I'm, I'm what, all for it. What I'm interested in is what you do mm-hmm. if a child comes up positive, right. what you do. And what the plan was basically was to work that child out of the educational system, which may be the worst thing to do for that child. Mm-hmm. So um, with like you said, I have to kind of think on my feet that that board meeting I read about it in the morning and then that afternoon I'm in front of this school board. And at the end of the they had worked a long time on this. You could tell because in the end, I remember the chair of the the committee that was really kind of driving this drug testing program kind of flipped his pencil in yeah. the air. And he's like, well, what do we do now? Yeah, right, right, right. You would upset a lot of apple carts. <laughs> and he said, well, we'll give the positive test to you. I'm like, keep the children engaged. I said to this board, I said, if you as board members would go and live in the same environments that some of these, some come from good homes, but a lot of them come from very you know, challenged backgrounds. And I said, if you as board members went and lived with these kids for a month, you would probably be using drugs right alongside <laughs> them. Yeah. And they didn't get it. Yeah. I think that they were the people that actually didn't inhale. Yeah. Unlike you know our former light. president. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, they just they they, they were unaware of mm-hmm. the drug and addiction and substance use really? culture.
2: Yeah. They just thought it was a moral issue at the time and you're a bad person you know you made a choice and now you're a bad person but what was very interesting that came out of this was is that we set up a i said you know i'm not a counselor but i will set up a pathway for these kids mm-hmm. which i did mm-hmm. and in that was a 1 hour a week class and we ran this program it was called the insight group where children could come in that you you could just have a concern about a friend you know, We didn't want to make it like the drug user group, but right. if you had a family member, if you had a friend you know, that was suffering with addiction or if you are, you know, then you could – and the principle was great. You could leave any class when we had this hour group once a week. And I brought in some guest speakers and it was a safe environment for these children, which they are children, mm-hmm. um, to express you know, what is it about reality that isn't good enough for you. And we tracked the outcomes and graduation outcomes. So we tracked anyone that went to at least four groups. That's four hours. You know, it would be a month of of uh, this group. And the ones that went to at least four of these groups, and it was weekly. Some went to a lot more. Is that the graduation rate more than doubled mm-hmm. for those kids? Mm-hmm. They were engaged. They just wanted somebody to listen to them. You know, a lot of times like, oh, you shouldn't be angry about that or you shouldn't be angry about this. And you know what? They had reasons to be angry. But then the question then became, how long are you going to play the role of the victim? Mm-hmm. You know, are you going to just sit here and play the role of the victim or are you going to do something about it? You know, are you going to move on? Are you going to let this damage your pathway to success in this life? Are you going to take some action? It was a program of action. You uh last time we're here a couple
1: weeks ago with our colleague Steve Mok who uh Steve Mok Jr who also helped us co-found the Coalition for Youth Drug Abuse Prevention and we extended an offer then that I'll extend now with you here as well to our audience anyone who wants to call in about addiction concerns or questions or anything we're here for that you're here for that 602-508 How to know if you might have a problem, how to deal with someone who might be having a problem, how to deal with someone who's in recovery, how to deal with recovery if you're in it. Uh, Any any variation on that theme because you've been through it and you've lived through it and you've helped untold numbers of people in all those categories through those things. So I want to invite callers. And I want to talk about a part of what you just said. For the last couple of days, I have been um, on this show focusing on children's issues, um, and there there are tons of them. Um, the least right now of concern to me, though not beyond concern, is their education deficits with regard to things like math and reading, which is a huge problem, and I care deeply about all that, too. But it's not my first concern right now. I'm right now very concerned about the things progressives told us. For years, they cared about that I think they have made worse, and they had an even fairly clever acronym sort of for it, social and emotional health, or social and emotional learning. Mm -hmm. And I'm really worried about what adults are using and abusing children that is affecting their social and emotional pathways and social and emotional um, behavior and social and emotional feelings, and even in some cases, psychological conditions. Um, And I want to talk to you about that because when we talk about youth issues, it may sound obvious, but I don't think it is, that people don't realize... There would not be youth issues if there weren't adult issues. There would not be youth problems if they weren't caused by adults. And I can take this in any number of directions, Jeff. Um, One of many I could pick is when something tragic happens with a young adult or an adolescent or a teenager acting out violently where there is harm or loss of life. People focus on that day that moment, maybe even the day before and what they posted on social media. What about the last 18 years of this person's life, what was going on? Mm -hmm. What environment were the adults? You think of that Uvalde, terrible Uvalde situation. Where were the adults when this kid is walking around with bags of dead cats? Um. Anyway, I want to focus on kids' issues when we come back with you. Can I do that?
2: We've and got that, to take I'd love to, question. and I want to make a comment on sure. your um, monologue. Oh, okay. A section right. of your monologue right. that I listened to on the way over here. Okay.
1: We'll do that and take calls as well, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Jeff Taylor is my guest. Before you got here, by the way, you, you know about a lot of things, Um. We were having a discussion as to what constitutes Yacht Rock. You mm-hmm. familiar with the phrase Yacht Rock?
2: Yeah, SiriusXM has a channel called
1: Yacht Rock. I don't know we? what SiriusXM is, but <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out what Yacht Rock was. And some, and I someone emailed—Young we, 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 David gave me a, something, but a guy named Barry, I think, had a pretty good list. He sent in an email, Doobie Brothers, Criss Cross, Fleetwood Mac, Steely Dan, Toto— I think that probably well, all... Well, that tells us who plays it, but that doesn't tell us what it is. It, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's what it is. Potter Stewart, you know it when you see it. I would have added <laughs> maybe maybe um, Men at Work.
2: Mm. 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 Do you have a nomination? <laughs> I've, list- I've listened to the <laughs> You've to listened the to Men at Work. Yeah, and there was uh, Captain and Tennille was on there. Yeah. yeah. Captain um, and Tennille would be Yacht Rock? Well, according to that station so. that we don't know. Yeah, well, I would
1: say they're Yacht Rock. Okay. He wore a captain's hat. Oh, mm-hmm. Yacht well, Rock. Okay, fine. If that's <laughs> all it takes. Okay. Wanna to talk to you about your candy selection too, but let's stay let's <laughs> stay we'll stay with our graver business for a moment. Talking about youth problems, there's so many places to start. Um say what you were saying just We'll just start anywhere and go from there on the break about young boys.
2: Yeah. So I was listening to your, your monologue in Let's Let Children Be Children or Let's Let Kids Be Kids. Yeah. Uh, for example, when I was in fourth grade, I remember uh, that we would be let out you know, in the middle of the morning and we were you know, given a, a, a race to do. You know, It took three, four minutes. We would race down, touch the fence, and race back. And then we would go back to class. We had a lot of energy. Uh, there was a young man, I remember his name was Paul, and he was, he was kind of, you know, had a lot of energy as a boy, as a 10-year-old boy. And I remember one day he just got up out of his chair and he sprinted down the rows of chairs and ran right into the wall. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, you know, there's, a, there's an example that we need an outlet for, yeah. this, uh, for yeah. this energy that we're born with. Yeah. I wish I had the energy yeah. that I had. You have to then. work with the nature mm-hmm. of the child. And the nature of boys is that way, by and large. Mm And you have to give them these outlets. Yes, and let you know, let's let little boys and little girls, let's let them play and play and play until they're worn out. You want them tired, and now absolutely, you want them worn out. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's their outlet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember um, going to a tea Mm -hmm. that was um, my son at the time was four years old. And boys and girls were brought into this nice hotel, and they were going to have a tea. Mm-hmm. And this is how – I'm speaking to the point how how different boys and girls mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Nature. Yes. And so they had the the girls, little girls at a table – and or several tables and little boys at several tables. And you go to the little girls' tables, and they had their princess dresses on, and they were – You know, they were imagining that they were pouring the tea for each other and then they would lean forward and then they would lean back and press their dresses out and just put their hands on the table and they were playing the role. Sugar and spice and everything nice. That's what little girls are made of. Of little princesses. And they were playing the role at at four years old. Yeah, yeah. And then you go to the little boys' table, <laughs> yeah. and it was a disaster. Food fight. Oh, yeah. everything's good. They're on the floor wrestling <laughs> right. each other. Right. If they had clip-on ties on. They'd grab them, and it would clip off, and, and they were loud and boisterous. And it just goes to show that we're wired differently. Yeah, there's that. There's God designed that. us as different. There's that. Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. Um, and then there's also working with the physical outlets as well and the, and the social. Do you worry about
2: overmedication? Oh, absolutely. When was the last time that you were you know, walking you know, at a mall or going to a movie or any public place and you saw a child on crutches? or a cast in and you know a cast on a child's arm.
1: We used to see that all the time all the time up. and you'd sign it and they bragged about how many signatures they could get yep. all the time.
2: had stitches. I don't know how many times I got stitches right. growing up. It's because we were outside playing doing and doing things that children do. I actually You have bruises on your face right now. Uh, I do. It's uh, yeah, I had a little accident. Yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> I was a out, car accident. I was out playing. Yeah. You know, I was out riding my bike, yeah. which, you know, children I love to see kids on bikes and uh and, and went down on Christmas Day. So I got to spend as we spoke on Christmas Day, I got to spend Christmas Day in the ER getting CAT scan. But all's well. But I was out, you know, it, it's an outlet for me. And I need outlets like that. And we're all different, but as children, we're all pretty much alike in that you have a lot of energy. So, when there's a child that doesn't have an outlet to, to get, you know, to just dump this energy in a, in a positive way by being outside and climbing trees and, you know, playing catch and just inventing games and using your imagination, is that we give them a pill. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's hard for them to focus. Mm-hmm. You know, we give them a pill. Mm-hmm. So, we're teaching our youth at a very young age. That whatever, you know, symptom you may have, rather than, you know, it's a symptom of maybe an activity in this place, in this space, that we're just going to give you a pill Mm -hmm. that masks the way that you're designed.
1: Yeah, and shortcuts.
2: Yes. Shortcuts, issues, and
1: possibly rewires. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see an awful lot of youth marijuana use. Here's a story, you know. This is an adult problem too, by the way, an adult-caused problem, obviously. Mm-hmm. This is an adult-caused problem. They're not the prescribers, the children, and et cetera, et cetera. There is this, for two years now, a group of adults who have said, what do you think of this psilocybin therapies that I'm hearing so much about? I saw a thing on 60 Minutes about it. It looks like it's got really good potential. And it's like, you see these ketamine clinics. And you see, and it's like, my God, how high do we have to get here? How high do we have to get? This stuff isn't innocent. There are no long-term studies. This is not being prescribed by serious doctors in a cognitive behavioral therapy, a CBT type situation. I just pulled up a story here. Never mind. The buried story of the pilot who tried to shut off the engines on the Alaskan air flight because of psilocybin just last month and is now charged with 83 counts of attempted murder because there were 83 people on that plane he could have killed. Does anyone know that story? How about this? A Brookline teen, this is today, a Brookline teen was from the Boston Herald was severely injured after he had magic mushrooms, that's psilocybin, and jumped from a six-story window, according to police who arrested a drug dealer accused of targeting local kids brookline police are now warning parents after this incident the arrest of a 22 year old man in brookline village based on a tip so anyway you have this teenager who was given something that was just magic mushrooms you know how bad could it be and he almost killed himself
2: what is it about today's youth where they are altering reality in a
1: big way. And want to let me take a commercial break and come back on that and then talk to you about your candy selection speaking of Jeff Taylor and I'll be right back. 602 5080960. The 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio brought to you by the Veteran Owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. I'm Seth Leepsen here with Jeff Taylor. Talking about youth, talking about addiction. I want to get to that in a bit. (coughs) Excuse me, Jeff. Um, Say something about impressionable youth. Aristotle knew how impressionable youth were because he understood that the best way to teach children was to put them in the presence of adults, men, particularly if boys, of good character, exemplary. Exemplary means example, teaching by precept and example. That's the best way to teach them. Again, another... Way of thinking about there would be no youth problems without adult problems. Mm -hmm. We don't – when we talk about the youth crisis, whether it's mental, physical, others, drugs, you name it, we need to be talking about adult problems too. There are adult mental health problems and so forth, addiction problems, misbehavior problems. But talk about impressionability of youth for a moment.
2: And and it's find. really the normalizing of abhorrent behavior, okay. in, in my view, normalizing it. The more there is of it out there, then the more normalized it becomes. Yeah.
1: It's no longer aberrant, right? It's not uncommon. It's common. Correct. Right.
2: So I'll, I'll follow up with a, with a story on how impressionable I was as a, as a young you know, teen, mm-hmm. but I'll start with influencers. We've all heard about TikTok influencers or Instagram famous yeah. or YouTube has so many followers and that they're called influencers. So let's take this influencer, and you had a great point um, when we had a discussion the other day about our youth really and, and people do, but let's talk about youth, is that they they really judge them their insides on other people's outsides. Yeah. Like we gauge ourselves on yeah, this
1: is what Facebook does, right. Exactly. It, it shows you who you're not and people judge themselves by that. Weird one moment of greatness.
2: Yes. Capture. Sorry, go ahead. And so the story is is a simple one. So when I was 14 years old, I had heard that in our high school that there were young 14, 15-year-olds that were having sex, and they were having sex with, um, you know, with women that probably didn't have a great moral compass as delivered by their parents, and that So they're having sex, and I had no interest in doing that. I was not emotionally capable. I didn't have the capacity to be having sex at the age of 14, even though others were. But this is where peer pressure and influence comes in. So I thank God for my Marine Corps drill instructor father, who I went to with this. I had a relationship where I could discuss things like this with him, and I told him that I'm – You know, I have hormones bouncing all over the place. I'm confused and I'm being influenced by some of my peers that were doing something that I was not geared to do. And so I went to my father and I said, you know, I think I think I'm I think I'm gay. (laughs) because <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I'm 14 years I old. I don't mean to laugh. And, and it, it, it seems funny now, but, but you yeah, know, I, when you're 14, I, you know, and I— I didn't see that coming. I, that, that's all. Go ahead. Having this identity crisis because I'm not acting like some of my peers. And my father's reaction was the same as yours. He he laughed. And I'm like, this is not funny. This is serious. And And he said, let me tell you two things. Actually, it's three things. He said, first of all, you may – you just may have a streak of decency in you. Wow. And wow. the second was – is that he started teaching me about what it is to be a man mm-hmm. and how do you treat woman, women as a man or young women or girls in this case as a man. How do you behave as a man? Wow. And he told me that you're going to be in situations where your hormones are going to want to take over – and just remember this: that when a young person, a woman of any age, says no, that mean that does not mean maybe. No means no. I'll stop. And the second one was is that you're under a lot of pressure to that you are being misguided, and that you know just because you're a male does not mean that you don't have morals. Mm-hmm. You can be the moral compass in that relationship as a male. don't
1: have to be a Viking.
2: Yeah. And that's the way I kind of lived out you know, my, my youth, and I still practice that, and I teach these things to, to my son.
1: I, I wonder
2: if—am I interrupting? No.
1: I wonder if—well, this was a short segment. We'll have a longer one coming back, so we have to take a break. But maybe cogitate on this over the break. I wonder if too many parents surrender to that child who might come to them with similar questions— I wonder if we're seeing that with the transgender stuff, for example, too much surrender, too much throwing in the ta- towel, too much immediate gratification, too much overpsychologizing, perhaps. Um, can we pick up on that? If yeah, I'm and you have to sense? Is, is my question making sense?
2: And you have to understand how the teen brain works. Yeah,
1: let's pick up on that when we come right back. Jeff Taylor is my guest. We'll be right back. Jeff Taylor is my guest, and um, I just I, – I was making the point the other day that um, candy and sweets wrapped in tinfoil is always more attractive and better. Remember ding-dongs were once upon a time wrapped in tinfoil?
2: Individually wrapped Individually. when you bought them in the box, Anything yes. in
1: tinfoil is better. And we had a display of Christmas candies, some in tinfoil, some not. See those little Santas and stuff in tinfoil? That's what you went for, rightfully so. I just, I just needed to validate. I needed the theoretical to be proven by the actual.
2: And the gold foiled um, coins like of those. chocolate.
1: You like the coins yes. of chocolate? Yes. Coins of chocolate. In Sounds like net, a band.
2: In the net bag. Yeah, that the we yellow netted bag. That's a Hanukkah thing. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's, uh, that's an old Hanukkah. They looked like the old
2: coins from the temple.
1: That's what they were meant to look like. I always like.
2: thought it was like uh, from the bottom of the sea in the, no. In the chest. No, chocolate doesn't <laughs> live in the bottom of the sea, Jeff
1: Taylor. <laughs> on the break, you you used an interesting phrase that I want to draw out from you. You said, with regard to children, you fear too often that we propagate fear mm-hmm. on the impressionable. Did mm-hmm. you go with that thought?
2: Yes. So we are a... Um, Let's talk about fear for a moment. Okay. You know, when um, I was out hunting with my father one time and w- it was early in the morning and there was a coiled rattlesnake that I saw and I, you know, I warned my father, you know, that there is this, you know, I like screamed. He was about ready to sit on, step on it. And, and so <laughs> hopefully not sit on it, not <laughs> even be worse. Um, and he got angry. Okay. He's like, you just scared me, and then he saw the snake. But really, oftentimes our first reaction is fear, Mm -hmm. but it goes to anger so quickly we don't identify that I was really fearful Mm -hmm. in the beginning. And by taking a young, you know, once again talking about impressionable youth, and that youth may have a fear, and to give that fear leverage and to – you know, explore that fear further. Who knows where that child, you know, will end up along that pathway? Versus challenging the fear, and as my father did with me, he just he just kind of challenged it. There was the end of that. Um, you know, I uh, you know ended up not you know being worried about uh, being gay at the time. You know, being gay was different than it is today. But who knows what would have happened if I had a parent that was very enabling along that path and, and convincing me that I am or that I am something else. It doesn't have to be about sexuality. It could be about really anything versus challenging the fear. Back to right and wrong. You know There are some things that are clearly wrong that are now right in our, in our world. And you know, some of that we see all over the, all over the internet. You know, we were taught that you are not the person, uh, you're not the clothes that you wear. Mm -hmm. You know, you are not, you know, the things that you have or the car that you drive. You know, what you are is it's an inside job. You are gauged by your, I don't believe a lot of what people say, but I believe 100% of what they do. Mm -hmm. And as I said, I'm just very fortunate to have the the two-parent household that I grew up in. Otherwise, our children are are becoming out of balance. When, you know, you have a single mom that's doing her best, you know, she's keeping all the balls in the air and she's having to work full time. Kids are coming home to an empty home. You know, we needed to be monitored when we were younger and we have children that are not monitored Mm -hmm. now, all over the place that are not monitored. And it's kind of like Galileo's law of motion is that they will remain on that path until something acts against it. Well, we had a lot of things acting against us. You know, because we needed guidance, we needed guardrails, we needed a stern talking to you know we needed to be grounded, we needed consequences in order to form us into the right pathway versus enabling the wrong pathway
1: and we still you 're big on consequences, I, and I want to come back to that, but I want to focus on for a second a phrase interesting phrase, fear too often goes to anger, mm-hmm. and I was just thinking about that as you were talking. Two emotions you never want to make decisions based on. Two emotions, fear and anger, that we too often make decisions based on. How about that in COVID? Mm-hmm. COVID put a lot of people in fear. And those that didn't succumb to that fear felt the wrath of those that did, the anger of those that did. Their fear did turn to anger. That was a very unhealthy thing for us. Since I don't when? know if that's a – if, mm-hmm. if, if, if if that's relevant to what you were talking about but it's what I was thinking about when you said it
2: since when did the United States of America scare so easily yeah yeah that is not the generation of my father right you know they did not scare so easily they stood their ground they came together as a nation and they fought in wars they fought um, many battles in in the home front also in keeping that moral compass intact And now we're just normalizing bad behavior, abhorrent behaviors, and therefore it becomes the norm. And so we're outside of our moral compass.
1: We were stronger. We were made of stronger stuff. I mean, live free or die uh, um, was the the phrase around the founding. Um, As he died to make men holy, we shall die to make men free was the battle hymn of the republic in the Civil War. Um, Better Dead than red was an ethos in the 60s, if you will. There's a lot of that kind of, I don't know if I want to call it martial attitude, but it certainly wasn't a phraseology of easy fear and scare. Let's roll Mm -hmm. in 20 years became let's roll up under a bed Mm. and hide. From each other.
2: And that reminds me of the one plane that went down on September 11th. Yeah, that's for different. Yeah, is let's roll. Right. You know?
1: Yeah. Do we have men like that anymore? You think of those men on Flight 93. It's an interesting thing about those men. I think about once in a while businessmen, ordinary businessmen, you know, who were much maligned in popular culture, you know, movies and stuff like that. And they knew— Dr. Bennett put this better than I can. But they knew that if they were successful, they would all die. Mm-hmm. They knew whatever that last-minute mission they put together was, they would all die. But they knew if they failed,
2: more people would die. So I bring the fear question into the we – were a nation of faith, of strong faith. Mm-hmm. You know, we had – this nation was founded upon – you know Christian beliefs and a foundation. You know the, you know we had the, um, you know the Holy Grail. You know the Ten Commandments. We had, you know Moses with the tablets. They're all in on our government buildings, and now we're removing our past. And if we don't have a past past to be proud of or to learn of, then we don't have anything to fight for in our future.
1: Yeah, they've done a good number on that. Well, um, they have. Changing our founding date from freedom mm-hmm. and uh, equality in 1776 to slavery and misery in 1619, right? That's one effort. Systemically racist as a country is another. Who would want to sign up to fight for that?
2: And if I'm in fear, Seth, Yeah, I have a faith problem. Yeah, nice. I have a faith problem if I'm in fear. The opposite of fear is faith.
1: Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y Refi. They have a secure and collateralized investment where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. And it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. It's an investment where you're in control. You can turn your income on or off. You can compound it. Whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees. Total peace of mind. No attack on principle if you ever need your money back. And, of course, you get a monthly statement. With no surprises, y Refi is based here locally. You can visit them. They're right on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You won't get a sales pitch or asked to be signed asked to sign anything. Or you can check them out online at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y, then refy.com, or call 888 whyrefy24 24888 Yrefy24. Jeff Taylor, I'll close any way you want. You have a couple minutes, not a lot, and feel free to take the invite to close on gratitude. Or any other way you want to.
2: You know, and um, maybe not a lot of your audience, maybe some do, some don't know of my history. And it was a long and arduous road to come into the studio to be with you today. Um, I have no one else to blame but myself. I was not a victim of anything in that I developed a rather hefty addiction uh, to narcotics in in my 20s. And along that path... You know, I did a lot of what I call the wreckage of addiction, Mm -hmm. and I had to repair relationships, and I had to be accountable. I had to pay people back money. I didn't want to play any role of a victim there in that. Did I experience some childhood trauma? Yes. But does that give me the right to take it out on others? No, it does not. Mm -hmm. So along this this pathway, sometimes I feel like I'm not going anywhere, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just not making the progresses that I would like to make. And then I think about where I'm sitting today on your radio show, the work that I am blessed to do today, which is really what I look at as God's work in in protecting the vulnerable, the lower income people, the poor, the homeless, you know, people that are very easy not to care a lot about. Well, I care more than most on this population. and And I get stuck and I think that I'm not really making the impact that I want to make. And then I think about where I started this, you know. And when I, where I started this journey was living underneath a bush mm-hmm. in Literally, South I want
1: people to know that. Literally.
2: And going to bed, going to sleep, uh, hoping and saying, "God, I just hope that I wake up before the ants do, mm-hmm. or the insects do." Mm-hmm. Now that is a long way from where I am today.
1: You have a lot to be grateful for.
2: Very grateful.
1: My audience has a lot to be grateful for that they get to listen to you and interact with you, and I have a lot to be grateful for in calling you my friend.
2: And the most powerful part of of my story is, back to the influences that adults have on children, is that my son, who's 23, 24, just turned 24 yep. years old, has never known his dad to be under the influence of drugs or alcohol. God bless. And that's called breaking the cycle.
1: God bless. God bless you. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Seth.